Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Thank you, everybody. What a pleasure it is to be here this morning with you all and to share what God has placed upon my heart. Before I get started, I just want to see how many people have their Bibles this morning. All right, all right. Well, what I love about it is that we can personalize our Bibles. We can highlight, write notes, and make it our own and be able to use it for moments like this. So today, title of my message is God Chose Us. And I want to speak a little bit about the life of Peter and how God used him in a mighty way for his kingdom and how God has chosen each of us to do the same way and not the other way around. So I want to start off by reading in Matthew 4, 18 and 19. And it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I really want to emphasize here where Jesus was just walking by the sea, and he saw two regular people just fishing. And he asked them, follow me. And these were two individuals that were willing to give up everything, drop what they were doing, and follow Jesus. He wasn't looking for religious people. He wasn't looking for rabbis that were studying the word. He was looking for people just like you and I, just to serve. And before I get into my message, I just want to pray and in, into this and just uh, give God some glory. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for this opportunity, Father. I ask that you speak through me today, Father. Fill this church with the Holy Spirit, Father. And I ask that you just continue to bless everyone here, Lord. Help this message to touch someone and help them to receive this word and open their hearts, Father. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, As we live our lives and we do our daily walk, God has actually already foreseen what his will is for us and for him. And there are two ways we could go. We can go in our own will, which is the world, or we can go in God's will, which is way better, in my opinion. And I know that there can be points in our lives where we think that maybe we're too far gone, we can't be used, or, you know, I've sinned too much, or, you know, I'm just, I can't, I I went away from God, so I can't get back to God, because, you know, he, he just won't forgive me, and I want you to know that today, God is a forgiving God, he is a loving God, and he is willing to give you all of him, as long as you're willing to give him all of you, and There can be times where we can even be here in the church, and we may even have moments where, you know, we say, well, you know, I was the one that I found the church, or, you know what, I I decided to become a leader. But in reality, actually, God has actually already foreseen this for us. And it says that here in John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in his name, he may give to you. So this makes it clear that God has already 
appointed a will for you in your life here in the church or, or, or even just serving out out there. But the thing is, is that you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to let your own will go and serve God. And you could even be in a position where you're at your rock bottom. You could be maybe just stumbling just a little bit. You could be struggling in your health. You could be struggling in your finances. But giving God that, all of that, I mean, it will show you what God can do in your life by just giving it to him. And as I, I, I say this all because part of my testimony, or you'll actually hear most of my testimony, started as a child. I was, I was about nine years old um, when I was taken from my parents or my mom. Never knew my real dad, my biological father. But my mom was the one that mostly raised us uh, till I was about nine. But there was a good reason that we were taken away from her. I was beaten and abused, two by four extension cord, metal metal cord or metal belts. I mean, I have scars on my back that can, you know, just show that it was just so bad. But in the midst of all that, God was moving in a way that I couldn't see. I was sexually abused. I mean, just so many different things that really brought me to a position where, you know, I thought that the only two places that I would end up was either going to be dead or in prison. And that couldn't be more true until I gave it all to God. But before I uh, was taken away from my mom, I actually, there was a gentleman that came. His name was Chris. This is a gentleman. Some of you may know him. Some of you that are newer in the church may not. But this is a guy that I call my father. Uh, he's a foster dad, but he's been there with me since nine until today. He's walked me down the aisle when I married my wife and stuff. But he is the guy that has been such a positive role model in my life. But it started off by him just serving God. He was walking down the street, and he was looking for another bus kid, and he happened to stop by our house because their parents were saying that, oh, well, you know, she's over there, so... My mom got a flyer from him and uh, said, yeah, I want to get rid of my kids, send them to church. You know, unfortunately, she thought, she thought she was getting rid of us, but she was actually blessing us, and, and God was answering a call for my life at that moment. And um, so some time goes by, and, you know, this, this gentleman really was showing us how, you know, he was really taking good care of us. But at nine years old, my mom had went to the store and bought a uh, bunch of stuff that she normally does, some toys and different things. And she came home with one specific toy. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, it was a transformer, dinosaur transformer. We were really big into those back then. <laughs> but uh, me and my brother started fighting over it. So one of the things my mom would say, and, and this was a, an often saying of hers, is, well, I'll let you guys fight for it. Whoever wins gets the toy. And the, the loser gets their butt whooped. Well, you know, uh, I, I don't like to brag, but I did win that fight. But we both got our butt whooped. So, um, but when I say butt whooped, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, we went to school and didn't realize the very next day that my brother had a shoe print on his face. We didn't even, we didn't even realize it. But I, I finally got to a point to where I was sick of it. I was tired of the abuse. I was tired of the beatings. I just, I was ready for something different. 
So I admitted to the teachers and I told them, yeah, this is what happened and this is how it happened. And we were, and we were taken from them. But, but God, um, that one gentleman, Chris, he was willing to take us in, took me and my brother in. And, you know, these, this would be the, the best three years, I would say, that I would have in a long time until my salvation here in Denton. And uh, he, he really taught us how to be men. He taught us what love, real love was. You know, in, in my mind, I thought, well, love was, you know, my mom just whooping us all the time and us fighting over stuff. But in reality, he was the one teaching us that, you know, the Bible. He was showing us in the word of God that God loves all of us the same. And it was a real love, a genuine love. And because of that, I mean, it really made me realize, okay, there is something different out there for me. It's not just dead, and it's not just pr in prison, but I have an opportunity to make a difference. Well, three years later, you know, I was 12 years old. My brother and I uh, decided that we would move in with an aunt because my brother was having some issues with his now ex-wife, and instead of making, you know, matters worse, we decided to just move out, uh, or, th or the state actually moved us out for us, uh, and with that, we only lasted about three months, I would say, with my aunt. Um, she couldn't handle two rebellious kids that would start fires and do a bunch of other, other uh, dumb stuff that we probably shouldn't be doing on top of her own kids. And plus, we were probably really bad influences on them at that time. But after that, um, we had nowhere else to go. We had no family no friends, no one that uh, really wanted to take us in or, or, or even could take us in at that time. And we were older, so, you know, in, in my mind, I thought and I would think that, well, you know, because we're not smaller little kids that people would take in, we're already kind of shooken up and stirred up, you know, we would cause problems, which is what kind of pretty much happened over at my aunt's house. So the next option for us was, to throw us in juvenile. I spent five years in juvie. Uh, that's most of the time a last resort for uh, kids that have nowhere else to go is to, you know, throw them in the system and just good luck. Uh, being in there for neglect and abuse was really hard for me because, you know, I felt like I'm here for nothing. I didn't do anything. I, I just tried to be a normal kid and, you know, because of what my mom and my stepdad's actions were, uh, we're, we're, we're here now. And, you know, I, I took that hard. You know, I was, I was angry with God. I was mad because I was alone in, a, in this system now with a bunch of kids that were criminals that, you know, were just really a bad influence already, even more on us. And I just didn't know what to expect but I got to say, but God, but God, little did I know he was putting me through all these trials. And you may be going through something today and it may not be as serious as something like this, but maybe something minor. But I tell you what, God has a plan for each and every one of us, no matter how big the trial is or how small it is. God is using that trial to make a huge difference in your life. And and it could be part of your testimony, which is what mine is today. 
So as that angry kid, I, I mean, I, I was always trying to to uh, hold my own there. You know, th- a lot of the kids there were older. I was one of the younger ones, so 12, and most of the other kids were 16, 17. Uh, so they were pretty, pretty bullying, being pretty much bullies to us. But I, in this in this process, I had to learn to forgive. I had to learn anger control. Now, I don't know how much you guys believe, but you know I, I'm pretty mellow now, but I was a really angry and bad kid when I was younger. You tell me hi the wrong way, and we'd be fighting. But, <coughs> excuse me. But, you know, I'm thankful for going through all that because if I didn't go through that and going through the... I guess the therapy and stuff that you'd have to go through with that because there's there's a process that they try to help you with. I was grateful for even the men that were in the juvenile system. They were older men. I remember a guy named Mr. Marshall that was there. He would always listen to old school, uh, old school music, and it really kind of helped me find a way out of the 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 torment and the torture that I was living and being in the juvenile system. And um, as as I got out of there and got older and, and grew up and actually grew out of the system, so 12, I got out of the system really on my own, 17 and a half or so. Um, I was going to school in the juvenile system, so automatically a straight-A student. So, um, But I had six months left in my high school year, and, you know, I tried to take advantage of that, you know, join – joined the I tried to join the basketball team and stuff but they couldn't handle my skills so I decided to become the mascot instead so <laughs> but I loved it you know I really found some peace in it and it was really really moving but uh even then you know I, I got out of high school and, and got married young and got into um got into you know alcohol and drugs because of just the influence and got married like I said I got married young and ended up having a daughter out of my my uh my marriage there and um through that marriage there was a separation and it I took it hard because you know I had already grew up in my life not knowing my biological father going through abuse feeling lost and alone, and I didn't have a real big father figure except for, you know, Chris, who was only there a short period of time, uh, but even though he he would be there later on for me in life. My thing that I would turn to was the drugs and alcohol, and I fell into a deep depression because now I looked at myself as Okay, now I'm becoming the one thing that I didn't want to become. I, I don't want to abandon my children. I don't want to abandon, you know, my wife and, and all that. But circumstances happen between me and my ex-wife now, uh, which was, you know, not biblical and, and really pushed me away. And I took it very hard. So I I was actually living a life that I would drink myself stupid um i would black out i would you know just fall asleep or fall out wherever i was at there's times that i would make it home and times that i wouldn't there would be times where 
I wonder how did I get to this place or what happened the night before. And I finally was trying, I was getting to a point to where I was sick of it. And I was tired of living this life that, you know, I was trying to find to fill a void, even though the void was right in front of me the whole time. You know, the Bible and the Word of God and, and just praying and, and reaching out to God. I kept turning to something else. I kept turning to the world. I kept turning to something that I felt like was a temporary fix, but not realizing that it was making it worse. Because in depression and that, you know, as you drink and do drugs, it actually brings you back down. I mean, you'll get a high for a second, and then it brings you right back down even worse, and, and, and it makes you even more depressed. And that was one thing that I failed to realize because I was just filling myself up with so much that I would black out so I wouldn't feel the pain. And it, I got to a point to where from there I moved to Texas. I've been in, in Texas for a short period of time, and my alcoholism, I brought that here with me. I uh, actually came here with a broken hand and I started working right away and trying trying to get my life together, trying to do something that I could or try to do for my oldest daughter in Michigan. And I felt like there was never going to be enough because I wasn't physically there. It took me about five years before I would actually physically be able to see my daughter. It, and it was really hard because those five years I, I had to try to find a way to sober up. But I wasn't completely sober. I wasn't giving it to God. And in the midst of all that, I, I was actually becoming a, a maintenance, I was a maintenance supervisor in an apartment complex in Middle Lothian. And that was just before I moved here. I finally got to a position where, you know, I, I had a great job. I could still do what I thought was okay. I had a home, I had the things of the world that I felt like and I thought I wanted, uh, but I still was missing something. I mean, my daughter would come to visit, you know, I'd, I'd be able to fly her down now and spend time with her, but I was still missing something. I was still depressed, I was still lost, and I couldn't understand why. And I kept trying to fill that void with something. Well, there was a gentleman by the name of Jeff, and he would drive and deliver packages to our property every time we had to order something. Man of God, great man of God, and to this day, uh, you know, he's still praising the Lord. And he would come, and, and I'd get up early in the morning before my shift, and he'd deliver the packages early just so that he could pray with me. And I knew that that was God really trying to answer a call that I kept call, crying out to God. Even though I maybe not was sitting down and praying, but I knew I was crying to God because I wanted something different. And this man, gentleman, Jeff, he would pray with me, and, and I could see the joy in his life. I could see the peace in his life, and it was God. And I wanted that. I was searching for that, but I couldn't find it. And in, in this testimony that I'm going to continue with, I want to share a verse before I move on. In Matthew 14, 28, 31, it says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. 
And Jesus said, Come. So Peter went out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the winds that was boisterous, he was afraid and began seeking, sinking, or began to sink. And he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately stretched out his hands and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And that's kind of where I started to get to. I started to doubt because in the midst of God answering my prayers and sending Jeff to me and praying for me, I lost my job. I lost my home. I lost the things of the world that I thought meant more to me. But that was actually God answering my prayers. So as I was seeing the winds and the storms coming, and as I saw all this loss that I was losing, I was looking away from God, not looking towards God, saying, thank you, God. You're answering my, you're pulling me out of the very situation that I've asked, and I'm crying out to you to pull me out of, but I'm losing everything of this world. I was already too stuck in the world. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I, 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 was, I was just everything that I wanted to get out of and not be. I was following the same footsteps as my biological father. I find out later on that he was an alcoholic. He was a drug user. He was a drug dealer. And I wasn't dealing drugs, but I I fell right into the same thing that I did not want to be. And I was pushing away from God. And that's why I I started to feel the way I did. And in Matthew 16, 22 and 23... It says, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far it be from you, Lord, there shall never, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was setting my mind on the things of man. In this world, I was making good money, so I was like, oh, man, I lost a great job. I had a great apartment because I was working at the same place that I lived. So I thought, man, I'm, I'm losing that too. And then, you know, I lose the, the place that I could have my kids because at the time, me and my wife now, we weren't married then. We were separated because of some things that I did, being selfish. I, I didn't have a place for my children to come and visit me. So now, excuse me, I fell into depression again. I fell right back into the same pit that I was trying to get myself out of, even though God was answering that prayer for me. And in Matthew 26, 33 and 37, it says, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Peter said to him, Even if I die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. But in 26 through, or in in chapter 26 in Matthew, verse 75, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the roosters crow, you would deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And In the midst of my storm, I was denying God. I was denying his power that he had for my life. And I fell into this depression. I was crying. I was weeping. I remember living in a hotel for a few weeks because I didn't, 
now I'm living on the last bit of money that I had and what am I going to do and where am I going to go and what's my next step for my life? And, you know, we could be in that same situation right now where, you know, we we don't know where we're going to go. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're praying and we're asking God to answer our, our prayers. And we want an answer right now. But God's saying, no, 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 you got to wait. I got such a better blessing for you. Be patient. You know, th- that saying patience is a virtue. I mean, it's, it's so true because with the patience comes such a great blessing, comes such a great and awesome thing that God gives us. But I wasn't, I wasn't patient enough. And, you know, I still was deciding to try to find an answer myself. You know, how many of us can sometimes get to a place where we're like, God, I want an answer right now. I, I, need, I need you to answer my prayer right now. I, I'm suffering financially. I'm suffering in my health. I need something right now, God. I can't wait till tomorrow. I need today. And, and God is telling you, no, 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 wait, wait. You know, and it could be, you know, if it's a health thing, it could be that somebody's going to cover your bill for your health in a week. Or it could be your finances. You got a better job coming up, but because you want to jump into your own conclusions and do your own thing, you're going to take the first job that you can find because you're not willing to wait what God has in store for you with just some patience. So I was running from God and my plan that God had for my life because of falling into depression again. Now, because of what I had to lose, I had to open my eyes a little bit. Actually, in this process, I moved to Denton. I moved here, uh, it was October of 18, uh, 2018, and I was, you know, I had nowhere else to go, so I called the only person that I knew, because I don't have family here, um, none of no family at all, no parents, no friends that I knew of here in the area. And the only person I knew was Veronica, who is now my wife. But back then, we were exes, and, you know, um, I just asked, you know, I need to get back on my feet. Is there any way that, you know, you could help me? So I was allowed to to come in and crash on the couch and and be there for, for my daughter. But... In my mind, you know, she was already coming here to Denton to to VWO, and you know, I, I she says no, but in my mind, I was understanding that as long as I came to church, it was okay. But she would say no, that, that's not what she was say, <laughs> saying. But but in my mind, that's what I I thought. So I started coming to church, but I wasn't really giving my all to God. I was still coming to church, but I was doing things before church that was inappropriate, that wasn't allowing God to work on me here at at this altar. You know, I, I would hear pastor preach, and it would touch me, but, you know, the devil still had a hold on me. You know, I was one foot in, one foot out, which is sometimes where we can be in our lives. We're, we're in a position, or we can be in a position in our lives where, you know, well, God, we'll, we'll give you this, but I can't, I can't let you have that. You know, I'll, I'll give you my alcoholism, but I, I, I won't give you my weed. Or I'll give you, I'll give you all the drugs and alcohol, uh, but I, I won't give you, you know, the, the womanizing issues that I have. 
or I won't give you my anger. I won't give you, you know, my depression because it's just too hard for, for, for you to bear f- for me. And, and really, we need to get to a point to where we give God everything, everything. Part of this testimony, and a lot of you kind of know this additional part, is that, and, and some may not here online, you may not know it, but I got into, uh, in my drinking and driving, I, even though I was coming to church and not giving it all to God, it was a decision that I decided to make, and, and I decided to drive, drink, drink and drive. And on my way home, I had an opportunity to stay where I was at, or go home, and I decided to drive home. I don't remember the drive at all, and this is kind of where I think God was also still keeping me uh, in his hands because he still had a plan for me because I was driving from Louisville, and I don't know how many of you guys know Louisville, I-35, and coming to Denton. I drove on the highway all the way up to the Golden Triangle Mall here in Denton, and I hit a car head-on three people in the car. I injured one and two others. Uh, I mean, they had some bumps and bruises as well, but I was driving on the opposite side of the road because I decided that I'm going to do things my way, and instead of answering the call that God was pulling me on those Sundays that I was here, on those days that I was, God was saying, don't do it. Change your life right now. Give it all to me right now. I decided, no, 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 I'm going to wait. I got to, I got tomorrow. Oh, I got next Sunday. I got Wednesday. I'll be there when, when, I'll give it to you when I can, Lord, or when I want to, not when you want to, Lord. And that's what almost cost me 10 years of my life. I was looking at 10 years in prison for this accident. Minimum two years, maximum 10 years. And... But God, I'm just, I got to emphasize that, but God, minimum, and I got to emphasize on the minimum two years, I shouldn't even be here. I should actually be in prison right now. But God, for some reason, I don't understand, but I know it's a miracle because God has miracles and makes miracles happen every day. The miracle that I'm here today and being able to preach and share this word with you guys, I, I mean, it, it really changed my life. But I was at my rock bottom at that point, and I remember sitting in, in jail, and I was in the, in the holding cell, and I said, God, you know what? If it's your will for me to be here because of my stupidity, because of the decisions that I decided to make instead of listening to what you have in store for me here at this altar, you know what? So be it. If I got to spend th- this time in prison because of s- consequences, and there's still consequences that I'm still dealing with today because of this, but it's not as severe because God is really moving. And, you know, I asked God, I said, Lord, if, if, if it's your will for me to be out and you want to use my life, then make a miracle happen. And that miracle came. I got bonded out. And I ran home. It was it was the middle of winter. Um, I remember that I didn't have I didn't have a shirt because I took the shirt off to give to one of the ladies 
that was injured in the accident. And in my mind, I was trying to find help, but I think in reality, I was probably trying to run from the scene. But I remember after running home, freezing my butt off because it, I was trying to get there, and, and I was just so thankful. I could feel the presence of God just moving because he made this miracle happen. And I said, Lord, from this day forward, all of me is yours. As you can see in some of these pictures that, that we've been able to share of, of the life that I've been here, I've been here the last four years with Poison Oak. I'm out there serving. Rain, sleet, or shine, I'm out there serving. I had a busted knee up trying to help people move. I mean, it. I when I told God I'm going to give you everything, I meant it. And I mean that today, that no matter what happens in my life, the first thing I'm going to do is give it to God and let God answer the rest. God can do the same for you today. He can do it for you just like he did it for me. And it may not be the same situation. You may not be looking at time in prison. You may not be looking at, you know, the abuse. You may not be looking at juvenile or anything like that. I had to go through this whole lifespan situation because God had a, a plan for me. He had something in store for me specifically because I had to, I had to get some control on my anger. I had, to, I had to learn how to forgive. I had to learn how to handle situations. I've been through so much that some people, when they look at me, you would never know it. You would never know the scars and the battles because... God has given me a joy and a peace in my life today. And even though Peter made some mistakes in his life, God ended up using him in such a mighty way, just like he can do for you. And in Acts 2, 37 and 38, it says, now, when they heard this, they were cut at the heart and said, to, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of ho the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that there is a hope for you today. There is a hope that God gives you today that he's going to answer your prayers. He's going to heal your body. He's going to heal your finances. He's going to touch your families. He's going to use you to be an example for your families. I, I can, I remember, I, I know as my friends, a, a lot of my old friends see me today, they are so baffled by what God's done in my life because they know the drunk Jerry. They know the, the womanizing Jerry. They know the Jerry that, that did all this stuff, and then they see me today, and they're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. What happened? What made you who you are today? I want the same thing that you have, just like I was seeking the same thing from this gentleman named Jeff. I could see the joy and peace in his life. They're looking for the same exact thing that God has given me that he can give to each and every one of you. And I want you to know that no matter how 
how much you think or how deep your sin is or how, how much you think that God can't forgive you because you're too far gone. No. I mean, God makes a promise and says that he forgives you of all your sins. As you give it to him, he will give you all the things that, that he can provide, which is everything. God can give you everything, all your heart's desires, but he asks that you give him all your heart, all of you, not part of you, but all of you. And in closing, there are so many things that we can get to a point to where, you know, I felt like I was never going to be enough for anyone. I was never going to be enough for my kids. I was never going to be a father figure like I wanted to be. You know, when I was thinking as a child, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to live this awesome life, and we're going to have this house with the white picket fence and the yard, you know, everything that the TVs and all that show you. You know, they, they try to make this big scene that says, oh, well, you know, alcohol, it does this, and it gives you that, and, and all that, but it's all manipulation. It's all for you to be able to fall into the trap that they have in your life. But God has a better plan for you. He's got a will for your life that is going to be moving and powerful. I did not expect that I would be a preacher today. But God, but God had bigger and better plans. I'm so grateful for the chance that he gave me. And I want to just tell you today that don't wait till it's too late. Don't wait till the last minute. Don't wait till next Sunday or next Wednesday because tomorrow's not promised. Even after you leave here, it's not guaranteed that you're going to make it back because with this opportunity, God just has to give it to me and I'm going to give you things beyond your wildest beliefs. I'm going to use you in such a huge way. And, and just, just to emphasize a little bit more on my testimony, moving here, you know, I was able to, in the process of giving it all to God, just be able to re- re-amend a relationship that was lost. I was able to, to meet a family here that I, I never thought I could ever have. You know, my relationship with my mom, I was able to rebuild that relationship. You know, a lot of people ask me, well, how could you forgive her and all that? Well, the Bible says that if I can't forgive those who, the trespassers that trespass against me, then he won't forgive me. And my mom needs to feel the same forgiveness that God's given me. So I share, I share that because, you know, I, I try to call my mom every day, even though she was abusive back then, she's changed today because of who I am today because of what God's doing in my life. And I know that God's going to do the same thing for her. He's going to do the same thing for my brother, my sister, my aunts, my uncles. But someone's got to start that. And that someone, not just me, but it's you. God's going to use you to restore families, to move in this city. Not just this city, but you know, God's using us to restore and, and move in Farmer's Branch, Pastor Brian in Garland, Pastor John in uh, Oak Cliff, Pastor Nestor in, uh, in Fort Worth. And 
who's to say next year won't be your your turn? You know, I mean, they may say, hey, well, Pastor Frankie, you're going to take over here in Richardson, you know, or Pastor Parker, hey, you're going to be over here doing some work over there in Tyler. You just you have to have a willing heart and don't wait till you're at your rock bottom. That's the one thing that I wish I didn't do, because even though I'm in a position right now where I'm at, I'm still facing 10 years in prison if I make a mistake. If I decide to follow right back into the same footsteps and fall back into alcoholism and drugs, 10 years prison, no matter how long, I've got 10 years probation by the grace of God. And, and that's one thing I forgot to mention. I had two years minimum in prison, but God answered a prayer and, and, and worked a miracle. And in the courts, they said, because of what you're doing, because of what I can see that the change that the God has made in your life today, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you and I'm going to trust that what God is doing in your life, we're going to give you 10 years in probation instead. But I urge you, don't wait. Don't wait till it's too late because you may not have that chance. Just give it to God today. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, we may be in a situation this morning that, you know, we're, we're just, we just don't know how to handle it or what to do or what the next step is. But today... Is your, is your chance to give it to God. That's the step that we all need to take, is just give it to God today. How many of us in this place this morning can say, I don't know the Lord is my personal Savior? Honest hearts this morning, that I'm not born again, that if I were to die today, I don't know where I'd go. If you would raise your hand. Don't wait till it's too late. If you know God is calling you this morning, I urge you to answer this call if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. You may be online and you don't know the Lord. And you've heard my testimony. God can move in mighty ways and, and, and even in the darkest places. I'll give you five, I'll give five more seconds. I, I, I want to give you this opportunity that I've got to get from Pastor Blake before. On January 1919, the Lord saved my life that day, and I was given an opportunity. Please, I urge you, don't wait. Don't wait till it's too late. You may be here today, and you do know the Lord, but you're running. You're running from God because you're too, your, your desires are the, this worldly stuff. So you decided to turn back from your ways. Well, today God has given you another opportunity to give it back to him, to give him a chance to show you what he can do in your life. And you're ready to come back to God because you're tired like I was. I was tired of drinking and, and, and falling into a deeper and darker hole. 
And you may be tired of that as well today. If that's you, I'd ask that you raise your hand to rededicate your life to God. To give it to God again today so that he can show you that there is a peace and a joy that's in him and not into the alcohol and the drugs. Not into the sin that you're living. But in his word that he gives you a promise If we would all stand this morning. There was no hands raised, so I was to believe that we're all, we all know God, and we're all living our lives the way that God wants us to live for him, which is a blessing. But there are those that are online that may be listening to this message today that, that don't know God, and they're searching for that answer. So I ask that we just pray this prayer. And just repeat after me. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for forgiveness. I believe Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins. And he raised from the dead. I want to trust him as my Lord and Savior. And and follow him from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to serve you, Lord, and do your will. Thank you for loving me and saving me. And Lord, I ask that you write my name in the Lamb's, lo- in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.